Let's turn our Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 23. I'm just going to say a few short words for us today to prepare us for a time of communion. You know, communion, we take each week to remember Jesus. And really, this whole service is about Jesus. Amen? About the birth this whole season, about the birth of Christ, celebrating uh, God sending His Son to the earth to uh, be for us the Christ, the Messiah, the King, uh, the prophet, and the great high priest. So as we prepare for communion, I want us to remember who Jesus was and what he accomplished on earth. Uh, Because of his resurrection, we believe that he lives today. And because of his unchanging nature, we can know who he is, who he was, is who he is today, amen? And what he did on the earth, he continues to do today in our lives, in our church's life, in our community's life, and in the world. You know, the name of Jesus, well, often when we say Jesus, what do we, what do we come, when I was a kid, I used to think this was his last name, Jesus Christ, Christ right? Like first name Jesus, last name Christ. And actually, that's, that's not what Christ means. Christ means, does anybody know what the Christ means or, or is? Mr. Carter. The anointed one. The anointed one. That's my boy. Okay. Uh, he, he, it means the anointed one. It's the word for Messiah. Okay. And the Messiah means anointed one. And there's three uh, roles or three offices in the Old Covenant that were anointed. And who remembers what those were? Someone besides Carter. Uh, Jesse. King? Did you say king? King, yep. King. The king was anointed. Remember king David being anointed? Yep. Okay. Jackson? Priest. Priest the priest was anointed. And one more. The prophets were anointed. That's right. So um, the Messiah was the culmination, the fullness of each of these anointed roles in the Old Covenant uh, people of God. The king, the king of kings was coming. Okay, so King David, all all the kings of Israel were pointed toward the king of kings, the greatest king, King Jesus, okay, the the, uh, Messiah, okay. And prophet, uh, is prophet means mouthpiece or spokesman, All the prophets were anointed, but they were speaking the words of God. Jesus came not just speaking the words of God, but came as the word of God. John chapter 1. He came communicating to us who God is and what he has to tell us. And then the priests. And, you know, 21st century, we think of priests and we really miss what a priest really means A priest is someone who is a go-between. So the people need a go-between between a holy God and a fallen or unholy people. Uh, And the priest was the one who went to God on behalf of the people as well as to the people on behalf of God. And he stood in the gap. He was the go-between. So Jesus, as the great high priest was the Lamb of God. He was the one who was sent from God to the people, but also because he was made and tempted in every way, like the people, he was able to go 
before God on behalf of the people and offer not sacrifices of bulls or doves or grain offerings, but what did he offer? He offered himself, his own blood. And because of that blood, there's nothing we can offer today as the people of God to assuage an angry God, but we offer ourselves, amen, just like Jesus offered himself. In Jeremiah chapter 23, so we're going to talk just a few moments about Jesus as the King of Kings, as the great high priest, and as the prophet. Jeremiah 23 in verse 1 says, Woe to the shepherds. I want us to listen for Jesus here in this prophecy, okay? Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the shepherds who are tending my people. You have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not attended to them. Behold, I'm about to attend to you for the evil of your deeds, declares the Lord. I don't know about you, but if I was a shepherd in that moment and I had not attended to the sheep and God says, and now I'm going to attend to you, I would be afraid. Are you with me? But the sheep and being scattered in this, the flock, does this remind you of anything about Jesus? Did Jesus, remember when he saw the crowds, what did he refer to the crowds as? Sheep, right, without a shepherd. And John chapter 10, as the good shepherd, listen for some of those words in these next few, few uh, uh, what, what verse did I end up? Verse 3, it says, Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them to bring them back to their pasture, and they will be fruitful and multiply. I will also raise up shepherds over them, and they will tend them. And they will not be afraid any longer, nor be terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king. And act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. Jesus comes as King of Kings, as Lord of Lords. He is a king. Jesus is not just a good teacher, though he teaches well. He's not just a nice guy, though. He's incredibly nice and gentle and kind. Amen? He comes as king. Now, a lot of times when we grow up in a de democratic 21st century society, we kind of care maybe a little bit who gets elected president, but we don't feel like our livelihood or our security or a lot of the things depend on the goodness of the leader of this nation because we live in a democracy where there's balance of powers and all these types of things to, to keep it. Back in a monarchy, the whole uh, uh, well-being of the nation depended on if there was going to be a good king or an evil king. If the king was bad, if the king was for himself, it was he going to use the resources of the people to get rich and more wealth for himself, it wasn't going to go well. 
And so you have all these kingdoms, but Jesus as king came as the king of kings. He was in the, the essence of goodness. And he came not to use the people to gain for himself, but to give himself for the people. Amen? And he reigns today in his kingdom. He's reacting to false shepherds, false kings, false kingdoms that damage the sheep and scatter them. Mark 6, 34, when he saw the, the crowds were harassed and helpless, he saw that they didn't have, they weren't, they didn't have him as their king. And they weren't in his kingdom. Because in his kingdom, with Jesus as king, under his rule, under his authority, going his way, the sheep will be healthy and secure and safe. Amen? You know, Jesus sees the crowds today. He sees our world today and the condition of it so often. Being helpless, harassed, stubbornly going their own way. You would think... And I would think of myself as, as I would see the effects of going my own way. I would say, I'm never going to do that again. And I would go only the way of Jesus. And yet, the stubbornness of my flesh, right, keeps kicking against the authority of God. And I need the Holy Spirit. I need the patience of God to gently um, sanctify me into his likeness. You know, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He felt for them, and he knew that they were harassed and helpless because they were following evil kings. You know, I'm excited today, uh, in, a, in about an hour or so, hour and a half, Mr. Kale Drager is making Jesus king, amen? He's making Jesus Lord, and he's being baptized into Christ. And he's seen the harassed and helplessness of the world and the ways of the world, and at a young, ripe almost 16 years old, right? Where are you, Kale? 16? He said, he said to the world, no, I don't want to go your way. I want to go Jesus' way. I want to make Jesus to be my king and my ruler and my Lord. And I eagerly, just like Mary, eagerly submit myself to his authority in my life. Isn't that awesome? And uh, um, the way of the king. Secondly, a prophet. Jesus' prophet. I want to look over at that verse in Mark chapter 6. Because Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he was not just moved with compassion. He began to do something. In Mark 6, let's see, what, what verses I am? What verse... Verse, verse, where am I? Verse 34, thank you. It says, when Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd. He felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. What did he do? He operated in his role as prophet. He communicated to them. That say, hey, if you, if you go my way, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you come and you follow me, then you will no longer be harassed and helpless and sheep without a shepherd. You will have hope. He was a prophet to them. He communicated to them. You know, I love the, the, uh, um, the song about Mary and the words about Mary. 
And I think sometimes the, the, um, the a, a popular denomination in our culture has so deified Mary that we can react to that. It's like, she's just a, and we can kind of, and it's not right to deify any human, amen? And yet, her spirit is something that we can all imitate, amen? And honor her, um, her spirit of completely whatever, I am only, I am your servant, your bondservant, uh, do whatever your will, may your will be done. I trust you completely. Says she trusted the word, the word that came from Gabriel, but she knew was the word of God. She gave herself completely over to God and to God's word. This is, this is Jesus functioning as prophet, and this is our decision to bring ourselves under his authority as king and into his kingdom but also then to listen and revere the Word of God. You know, in John chapter 1, it says that in the beginning was the Word. And that Word is logos. It's the Word was with God. The Word was God. And if you read John chapter 1, 1 through 18, you can have a year's worth of Bible studies trying to wrap your heart and mind around what does it mean? But I think it means something along the lines of Jesus came speaking truth, the words of God, but he didn't just come speaking. His essence was the communication of whom God is. Does that make sense? A little, I'm, I'm not communicating very well because I can only speak the words of God, right? Um, but Jesus was God. He was the communication of God. So everything that God thinks feels, not everything, some of what God thinks and feels, what he's passionate about, what he gets angry about, we see this in Jesus. We see Jesus being the exact representation. So it's not just what he said, but what he did, what he felt. This was the communication of God. Jesus as Logos. And in John chapter 1, we see that Jesus is life in light in truth, in grace. He was the fullness. So the word spoke in creation in Genesis 1. Something exists out of nothing. That's a miracle. Life comes into existence through the word. So there's the power of life. You ever feel like your life is kind of drained of life? Right? And you need some life. Here's where your life came from originally and will be renewed in. The Word of God. It's the Word. It's Logos. It's who He is. It's His communication. That brings life into your soul. Amen? Okay? Jesus, the fullness of life. Jesus, the fullness of light. Do you ever feel like you're in a dark place? You ever, have you ever, in your shame and your guilt, said, I'm just going to get in, I'm just going to go into the darkness. I'm just going to keep all this hid because 
I don't like the light because my deeds are evil and I know they're evil. And I, I also think of when Mary said, you're favored by God. She must have thought, oh, no, not me. Just like you and I would think, right? Brad, you are favored by God. You're one of God's favorite sons. Brad's first response would be, I'm so uncomfortable with that. <laughs> right? Because each of us, we know our own sin and guilt and shame. And yet, Jesus knows too, and God, it's not like Mary fooled God. God saw Mary through Jesus and him as our great high priest, and that leads us to our high priest. I'll get to that in a minute. But the fullness of life, of light, and of truth, grace. Jesus didn't come just speaking the truth, but was the essence of truth. So the answer to Pilate's question, what is truth was standing right before his eyes. Jesus is truth and full of grace. Can you imagine all truth and no grace? That makes me very afraid. But if it's all grace and no truth, that produces in us a Christianity or a faith that's not based in reality. It's not based in the real world. We can sing about Hark the Herald and Alleluia and, and Gloria and we can go through the motions at Christmas and oh, we remember the reason for the season because we're those good Christian types, you know, and I'm just not going to get caught up in gifts, but I sure hope I get what I want. Um, but, you know, and we say all those things and we go through all those motions, but it's not Real, unless there's real truth in our relationship with God, ourself, and one another. Jesus came the fullness of life, light, truth, and grace. This is all him as a prophet. We hear in Jesus the communication of God. We must study God's word, trust God's word, obey God's word, and completely and totally rely on the truthfulness and the faithfulness of God's word. How about you and I? Are we, are we revering God's word like Mary? Are we into the word or just into the world? Are we experiencing that fullness of life and light and truth and grace or just experiencing the emptiness of the death, darkness, falseness in world without grace of ultimate judgment? Thanks be to God, Jesus as our prophet. And lastly, our faithful high priest. This points us to, a, this has to get us to a spot where we come before God insufficient. Anyone ever bounced a check? Young people are like, excuse me, what's a check? Uh, have you ever tried to cash app someone and you didn't have enough money in your account? How's, how about that? Okay. And what does cash app do? I don't even know this is, I don't know. What does Cash App do when you don't have enough money in the account? Grayson, you've tried this? No, sorry. Uh, anybody know? Okay, it's got, I don't think it's going to work. So when we as a people go before a holy God, and there's no masks of religiousness, there's no masks of our good deeds, when we stand Alone before God, 
What is the conclusion? Insufficient funds. Right? God says, I'm a God of justice. You must pay for what you, the sins that you've committed. I was like, well, I, can, I, can I pay you next week when I get paid from my job? Okay, this analogy needs to end. Okay, we, we, we know insufficient funds. It doesn't work that way. I don't care how good a person you think you are. We must have a go-between. We need a faithful high priest. Read one more section of Scripture, and then we'll take communion. Hebrews chapter 2. The book of Hebrews, just such an incredible job of helping us in a new covenant context understand the old covenant priesthood in offerings, in sacrifices. But the fulfillment of everything is in Christ. In Hebrews 2, verse 17, the play referred to this as well. It says, Therefore he had to be made, this is Jesus, he had to be made like his brethren, that's us, in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation. It's a, it's a, it's a glorious word, none, one we don't often use, but yet it is one that our Christian faith is based upon. That Jesus came as an atonement, as a substitute, as an offering. He offered instead of me paying the full justice of all of my sins, of all my life, Jesus says, stand aside, son. I will pay everything. I will take all of your guilt and shame and justice and wrath of God, which is so real, I will take it onto and into myself on the cross. I offer not the, not the blood of bulls and goats, but the blood of myself as propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted and that he had suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted." As a go-between to us, he was tempted in every way we are. That means that he understands. Every facing he can understand. You don't go to Jesus as someone who doesn't get it. You ever talk to someone and they just get it? You know what I'm saying? Jesus gets it. So you can go to him. He is a merciful high priest. I love the sentiment. It says, a bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Sometimes in our walk with God, we feel bruised and smoldering, about to snuff out. And so we want to go away from the light, the holy, right? But that makes it worse. When we come to Jesus, He's gentle in restoring us. He's humble. He's been tempted in every way. And He offers Himself as our atonement, as the propitiation that we need on our behalf. And so we can come to him. What kind of king is like this? What kind of king acts this way? He's a faithful high priest. 
So, remember, he comes on our behalf, but also on God's behalf. God said, I have an assignment for you. And Jesus said, is there any other way in the garden of Gethsemane? Is there any other way? But your will, not my will, but your will be done. He was faithful to his assignment. Why? Because he loves us. Though spotless, he became obedient to death. And because of his sacrifice, we who are in Christ have been made perfect. Hebrews 10, we're made perfect for all time by that one sacrifice while we're being made holy. His sacrifice is sufficient. So while we are NSF, Jesus is sufficient. And so our debt is completely paid. Not only is our debt paid, the inheritance, the reward that was going to Jesus now goes to us. Excuse me? Baking, beg your pardon? Okay? Not only do I not get punished, I get life of the age to come, I get life eternal, I get reward, I get crown in heaven. Oh my goodness, if we really got it, we would just be so filled with joy and peace and security and happiness and and just, I could care less what I get for Christmas because I got Jesus. Oh, mercy. The bad news is that we are objects of wrath and all our good person attempts to make up for it are insufficient. But because Jesus offered himself as our great high priest, if we enter him in repentance, lordship, and baptism, we are made perfect while forever being made holy. Are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? If not then you're still in the bad news. You're still in the bad news. And Christmas, Christmas needs to be a season where you wake up and smell the coffee, <laughs> okay? It's not good. If you're not in Christ, you're not in good shape, okay? But if you are in Christ, we also need to wake up and smell the coffee about how good a shape that we're in, amen? Um. If you're not in Christ, study the Bible. How, look at this amazing picture of Jesus as our king, as our prophet, as our great high priest. And don't blow it off. Study the Bible. Come to Jesus. Decide to follow him. Be like Mary. I'm your obedient servant. Your will be done. Whatever you, Let your word be true. Be like Cale. Make Jesus Lord. Amen? Now come to Jesus. If you're in Christ but have slipped back into some darkness, come to Jesus. Come to the light. You have a merciful high priest waiting for you. They call him Jesus. The name of our play, they call him Jesus. Jesus the Christ, the anointed one, the good and protective and safe king. King of kings and who builds his glorious kingdom. A powerful prophet in our great high priest. Come to him in his kingdom, revere and listen to his word, and accept and fully trust in him as your offering. Let's go ahead and remember Jesus right now.